Hello, and welcome to another light reading podcast. This one, once again, from the OFC show floor. Well, adjacent. We're in the press room. Actually, we're next to the press room. Hey, tell you what, it's audio and you can't see me, so I could be anywhere. Um, I'm Phil Harvey. I'm the editor-in-chief of Light Reading. I'm Mike Bell. I'm senior vice president and general manager of Corning Optical Communications. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast today and taking a few minutes out of your uh, busy show schedule. Um, how are you finding the show so far? Have you, have you had a chance to uh, see and do much since you've been here? Well, we had the executive forum by Optica yesterday, always super informative, get to hear from all of our industry colleagues and ecosystem about what's hot in the industry. You know, Google announcing a new, you know, optical swish at the top of their, right. you know, racks <laughs> that you know, they had kept secret for 10 years. So that was really interesting and good. Um, our CEO, uh, Wendell Weeks, got a chance to be one of the the uh, keynote speaker yes. this morning, which is exciting and interesting. And Ming Jun Lee, a uh, longtime colleague of ours, won the Tyndall Award. So I was about to say that was a, a super huge exciting honor. and yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was that was an exciting uh, uh, presentation and uh, and a a really uh, uh, you know a, a really I guess uh, a feather in the cap of any company that has you know research and engineering that that, that gets honored uh, in that way. Um, uh, let's talk about the, the the announcements of the week. Um, so this, uh, let's you announce the uh, edge distribution system. Um, yeah. Let's start with the the basics. What is it? Who's it for? And how does it work? <laughs> okay. So what it is, it's a it's a brand new um, cabling solution, mm-hmm. really for end to row to top of rack uh, connections. It can be used to other places in the data center. Basically consolidates all the point-to-point uh, patch cords that are used in data centers down to an integrated uh, trunk cable, um, and it's designed specially for every data center application. So that's what it is. Okay. Um, what it does is it uh, it's about seventy percent uh, faster to deploy. You just roll it right out and plug everything in, hmm. um, and it is about twenty percent cheaper. Customers seem to like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then it has about an, a 55% savings of carbon footprint. Huh. Like it just uses a lot more, a lot fewer sheath kilometers, packaging materials, and the like. So, you know, it's faster, it's cheaper, and it's more sustainable. So, what's the key application for this, and like the key the key customer set? So, uh, it starts with all the hyperscalers. Mm-hmm. So, it's for the the hyperscale data center to start with. We'll be rolling it out to. Um, private data centers for financial institutions and the like, and multi-tenant data centers and the like later. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the primary uh, application. And it's just, again, to replace all these. We just we hate seeing tray cables full of cables all the time. Right. And yeah. I was like, why can't you consolidate that down to something that just makes more sense for that specific application? And so people will do the point-to-point patching if that's all they have. Right. And so since we saw that, we're like, well, you know, we think we can consolidate a lot better. We also have a, a software system that comes with it, so you can design exactly what you want. So you have to worry about not being the wrong length or not being compatible with the rest of, of your application. So it's just about getting, uh, giving those companies a way to build out their data centers more quickly and more efficiently, and yes. like you said, at a lower cost. What, the seventy percent. Savings part uh, was that in time or time? Yeah, yeah time savings. Yeah. It means uh, they're less dependent on the hard to find uh, critical labor too. Right. So it yeah. takes less critical labor. Frankly, if you if you if you've ever been a data center site where they're doing this work, 
you're up and down on ladders, mm -hmm. stringing things in crazy places. And yeah. frankly, think about this, you just roll it right down the cable tray and it's pre-terminated. So right. you plug you know, all the um, MT connectors in one end and the duplex LCs in the other end at top rack switches and you're done. 70%, um, we're conservative with everything we do. Yeah, yeah Savings is conservative. We've actually measured up to 95% savings in some applications. Okay, yeah, so. that was, I was about to say that's a, it's a pretty, uh, that's why I brought it up, is it was a pretty significant number, and then I know that if somebody's going to talk about it publicly, they're probably going to downplay it a yeah. little bit. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're saying in all, if we're going to make a general statement for all instances, we want to be sure we're right. But sure. It's amazing, you know, we have some promotional videos that show just the packaging savings. Like, think about each patch cord being separately packaged and then having to unwrap it and figure out what, what to do with all the trash and queuing and yeah. all the other things in these really complex work sites. This yeah, just really they're, simplifies they're, the job. They, they are. If, if, uh, maybe, I'm sure if most of my listeners have seen a data center being built, but if you haven't, it's quite, it, it, it's quite something, especially at the speed at which they... Um, put them together because once they've decided to, to to go in somewhere it means they've got pent-up demand for capacity and for uh for for, uh, for you know the need for that thing to be there so it's uh, so yeah time is of the essence um, well some people say they make a million dollars a day on these things mm -hmm. so you know time is really of the essence for yeah these guys, so. yeah indeed um what's the uh, uh another technology that was uh, it was one that i had not heard of before a Corning's first flexible ribbon cable that was being talked about here at the show. Can you give me a bit of detail on what mark, what that is, and what market it's targeted at? Yeah, it's start. It's really targeted at um, just about anybody that uses cable, frankly, because it's okay. a, a lot more dense uh, cable. Uh, really started the technology started in the data center market, where you have these massive cables for data center interconnects, mm -hmm. and. Uh, what companies were looking for is we have limited duct space, so how can I put more fibers in a smaller space? Mm, okay. So this specific uh, instance, we're calling it uh, our mini-extend uh, cable, which is a trade name we've used before for very dense cables, with mm. what we're calling a flow ribbon technology. And this is a flexible ribbon. What we've done is just a little bit different, a little more innovative than what's available commercially. You think about a 12-fiber ribbon, um, there have been flexible uh, ribbons for a long time. Some people call them spider, spider web ribbons. Um, right. yeah. And so these are, you'll have 12 fibers side by side, and they're um, connected to each other occasionally. Okay. What that does is it keeps somewhat of a structure so that you can do splicing on the end. Mm -hmm. But then because they're only connected occasionally, the fibers inside the cable can be compressed down outside of the flat ribbon structure. So oh, you can make okay. everything a lot smaller, you know. Right. Sort of if you think about a stack of ribbons in a round tube, sort of square peg round hole, you got lots of space. Yeah. Okay. Right. So this allows you to compress all the fibers down to a much smaller round, you know, form factor to go into a smaller cable structure. The distinction for our flow ribbons is we don't uh, individually connect all the fibers periodically. We keep two fibers together. Mm. And so we periodically connect the two fiber groups. And that allows you, because two fibers are always going to be touching anyway, sure. it allows you to have a better structure for splicing at the end. So right. it's easier to splice and still have the flexibility of the fibers being able to compress down into a different shape. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and and that, that's for, like you said, any anyone who uses fiber but probably buildings or data centers or uh, offices where there's you know uh, hard to get to right know? right and, and it mostly i think what we envision is 
these really dense cables will be useful where you have a constraint, like a mm -hmm. limited duct space, something else. Okay. Um, data centers, for sure. What's interesting is if you look at um, the newest one that we just introduced, it's on the show floor today, mm -hmm. 288 fiber. It's the most dense 288 fiber cable in the world. Mm. It's just a little bigger than a McDonald's straw, 288 fibers in there. Wow. And uh, it, it'll go inside of a 10 millimeter duct. So cable diameter is around eight millimeters, I think, so it fits mm -hmm. nice and easily. And when you look at traditionally how large 288 fiber cables are, they're more like an inch in diameter. I mean, it yeah. was it's a real stark comparison. So much more flexible. So for deployments, I mean, when you get to really high fiber count cables, I mean, you can hardly even bend them. I mean, we yeah. have bend radiuses, but I challenge you to bend it, you know, that tightly. Yeah. And this cable is a lot more easily routed and okay. just deployed. Excellent. Um, what's a what's you know uh, kind of uh, what technologies are exciting you most in terms of uh, uh, you know the telecom industry? I mean, you get to talk to you know your customers, your service provider customers are are, are always talking. I'm, I'm trying not to ask you about boring stuff like the supply chains, <laughs> which I do want I do want to talk about that. But I, I want to sort of find out what's on your radar and what what sort of applications are you interested in. Well, we're interested in everywhere we think a fiber could go next. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, of course, you are too. Um, sure. <laughs> um, of course, you know, um, we've got all the places that we've talked about. One of the most interesting applications, for sure, is the data center. I think yeah. we all are very, you know, because a lot of the innovation in the industry has moved from the carrier space to the data center, just because the speeds and the and the, the connectivity is just massive by comparison. Yeah, and the 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 need uh, the 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 kinds of companies that are involved, you know, they're they're adopting technology more quickly, they're spending more more readily, and they're not in the mindset of sort of sweating assets, you know, for for some period of time. They right. they want to build and move on to new tech as quickly as they possibly can. And they're so, and they're okay experimenting a little bit, right? Yeah, so not quite does, as, they don't have the. It has to meet always, you know, five nines and right. and last for twenty five years in a really difficult environment. Um, yeah. So it's just a different design space. But like more specifically in data centers, two things I think are super interesting. One of them is the advent of these AI machine learning sort of data centers within a data center. Uh -huh. So like theoretically, even the hypers could double in size because you've got the regular data center and then you got this other capability that's sort yeah. of analyzing what's happening with all the data. Some of my colleagues were talking about how that's it's it's the, the need to use AI and more uh, in, in more data centers, but also in, in more ways, is going to um, very quickly change the way the data centers themselves are constructed because of how, you know, the computing needs, but just how that sort of, how they're laid out, how they're stacked. Um, does that, uh, is, is that an interest, I mean, I guess that's an interesting opportunity for Corning because it means that everything's going to be connected by more and more fiber. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um, it could be that in some of these hypers, the AI machine learning clusters are as big in connectivity as the regular data center. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, it's, it's lots of GPUs, uh, multiple presenters at the show have talked about having a fully non-blocking architecture, which just basically means you have to have enough connections up and down right. to the GPUs yeah. so that they don't get uh, idled. Right, and you don't want bottlenecks in the optical uh, fiber. Yeah, because uh, they're layer. essentially spreading a supercomputer out right. in a in a building, and so it it has to it has to talk as though it's all in one right. giant chassis, which is 
uh, challenging to say the least, especially when we're, <laughs> when we're talking about the, the workloads that they're, uh, that they're projecting is, are, are going to hit. So yeah, that is, that is some pretty exciting stuff. It, is, it, it always sounds like we're talking about the future, but this stuff was, uh, you know, the cloud was <laughs> the future not too long ago. Um, is there any, uh, uh, has there uh, been any uh, sort of change or improvement in terms of the, um, the supply chain backlog and in terms of getting fiber out to uh, customers? Um, you know, that's been kind of a, a, a constant discussion for suppliers of any kind in the, in the U.S. and North America. Any, anything to say about uh, the movement there? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, it, just draw a little distinction. There's not really a fiber supply problem. There's a cable supply problem. Okay, right? so gotcha. um, we believe there has been and continues to be sufficient fiber supply um, in Europe and the U.S. And in fact, we continue to invest in that. You know, you, I, I, I can uh, reference. We just opened a new uh, fiber factory in Mashonov, Poland. Right. Last year, it was announced, and so that was to address growing European demand, which mm -hmm. frees U.S. fiber demand for the growing needs here uh, in the U.S. as well. So we try to be positioned in each of the regions mm -hmm. to have a simplified um, in-region uh, supply chain. You'll see us to do, we'll, we'll announce more of that here soon. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you exactly what yet, but you know, stay tuned. Okay. Uh, but on the cable front where we have had the constraint, I mean, since 2020, we've invested over half a billion dollars and, and doubled, nearly doubled our cable um, capacity uh, to serve the U.S., which is where the biggest constraint has been. Mm -hmm. And so we've improved significantly. We know others are doing the same. Mm -hmm. We announced uh, in 2021 we'd be uh, adding and, and we're currently ramping our capacity in North Carolina. We announced two expansions there. Right. And so one's online, the other one's ramping now. We'll have a big opening there here soon. And then we also announced just last year at Phoenix, Arizona, uh, right. where we're building our newest cable factory, be the westernmost cable factory. We feel like the left half of the country, you know, needs supply just like the right half does. Yeah, indeed. And so it's really going to be uh, helpful and, you know, cut down on logistics costs and the like. But that'll be ramping next year just in time for, you know, hopefully the uh, bead funding to start yeah, flowing. Yeah. Um, from, yeah, a lot of that rollout should be starting about yeah. that time if everybody stays on the timetable they've talked about. That and, would... and one other thing I'll mention too, because I know a lot of the rural or smaller customers of the are those that have said they've been underserved. We just announced recently, you know, a new agreement with the NTCA, Rural Broadband Association. Okay. And so members can now have full access to Corning, cable and connectivity, you know, to make sure they can fuel all their deployments. So yeah. we believe we're getting the constraints uh, that were real in our industry. I mean, frankly, we all went into COVID and everybody sort of slowed down and then mm -hmm. bandwidth demand just, you know, exploded with everybody being home, yeah. working from home and, and just learning from home and all the other things that happened. And we're all caught off guard, frankly. Yeah. And we've, I believe Corning has responded strongly and I think our industry is trying to respond and the, you know, strongly. And so. the bandwidth demand hasn't let up at all. <laughs> no, I mean, it just keeps, you know, growing at least 25 or 30% a year. And, you know, during pandemic, it, it sort of doubled for a year too, yeah. you know, at a crazy, crazy rate, but Indeed. exciting. Um, yeah, it is. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for now. Uh, Mike Bell, thank you so much for uh, making the time on uh, a busy show schedule. Uh, great to meet you, and thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to meet you too, Phil.